Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Sasha Millstone, Senior Vice President Investments for the Millstone Evans Group of Raymond James. You know, business plans, marketing plans, any plan really serves as a map to reaching your goals. And financial planning is no different. But where do you begin? Well, Sasha's here to help us sort that out on this episode of Power Tips Unscripted. Be the ball. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Yeah, you are. I love this topic. You know, we're all so immersed in small business with our members, right? Yeah. And they, we talk about business is a tool to help them to reach their goals. But the problem is a lot of them don't know what their goals are. Yeah. It's, what's, what's the, um, I think Yogi Berra said, um, if you don't know where you're going, you might not get there. <laughs> yeah, really. Some, something you like gotta that. You got to love him, right? <laughs> we talk a lot to um, our members about trying to get that personal financial plan so they have that goal. And then we know we can help them figure out how to make the business deliver on that promise. But you got to start somewhere. That's right, right. why I'm so excited about our, our guest today. Yes, I must admit I've been lacking on my financial planning. Mark, meet Sasha. Sasha, meet Mark. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk after Mark. Okay. It's, it's a, I mean, I, I just harp on this all the time. I've so. got my pen poised and my pad opened, so we're ready to go. <laughs> all right, great. So let's go. Sasha Millstone has helped hundreds of clients achieve their financial goals by creating a written plan and helping them put it into place. Planning is dynamic because life rarely progresses exactly the way we think it will. Nevertheless, if you commit your goals to writing and regularly take steps toward them, you can adjust for any reality as you press ahead. Sasha started the Millstone Evans Group in the D.C. area in the late 1990s and now has a team of 10 with offices in D.C., Denver, and Boulder, Colorado. Hey, Sasha, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this quite a bit. Good. You know, you and I have worked together, Sasha, being my personal financial planner, since my daughter was two and she's now 21. Amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, and it, it that works. happened and we didn't get any older. It just, <laughs> yeah. Amazing how that works, isn't it? I like it. Dorian Gray all over the place. So, you heard our, us do our little intro, and I do. I harp on this because. Without knowing what you need personally for your life, for your protection, for your family, for retirement, for fun, all those things, how do you get there? So how did you sort of figure out this is what you wanted to do for a living and how do do you see your role in the world? Well, I think that you're exactly right. A lot of people just go day to day and they don't really have a framework for their personal finances. And it's funny because most people do have a framework for their careers, whether it's a small business in your industry or anything else. They have a framework, but they just, when it comes to financial, personal financial planning, a lot of people don't don't really take the time to do the work. Um, and I... To answer your first question, I figured I would either be a therapist or I would be a financial planner. <laughs> sort of so one in the same I'm there, kind of both. <laughs> I'm kind of both. 
depends on what's going on. But um, I just uh, started out early working in uh, banks, not not in uh, branches, but uh, in the operations area of banks. And I, I just watched uh, how the dynamics went in the trust department and in the investment side. And I got very intrigued with the whole idea of helping people to accomplish their goals through um, helping them with their investment. So I went to grad school for my MBA and I got acquainted with the whole idea of financial planning as a profession. And I loved it from the beginning. And uh, it's really the core of everything that we do for 20 years for people. The core of it is the, is the initial plan. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really been so rewarding you mentioned that your daughter graduated. You know, I, I now have every year a group of, of young folks graduating from college and from high school who I helped put their first mm -hmm. college plans in place. Yeah. And this type of thing is, is an extremely rewarding experience uh, professionally. So why do people not do it? You said take, they don't want to take the time, but it's got to feel there's something more to it than that. I think that it all comes down to, you know, we are all, unfortunately, in our society, we have a lot of, um, of emotion around money. A lot of it is not good emotion, or it might be uh, fear or shame, or it might be this feeling inside that of anxiety, or that we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Um, so I think that when people really think about making a budget. What they tend to do, if they do it at all, first of all, they hate the word budget. I also don't like the word budget. Mm -hmm. Budget sounds very, you know, punitive. limiting. Like somebody's going to take something away from you. Um, so I use the, I, I usually use the word spending plan. Uh, but uh, uh, from the very beginning of, of needing to make some goals, if you don't know where you are, then how can you possibly get to the goal. So you have to analyze the current situation, just like you have to do a SWOT analysis in business. So part of the current situation is how are you using your resources? How are you spending your money? Uh, you have to kind of lay that out. And I think people often don't want to look at that. They just, no, it, it's not rational. There's not, it's, it's emotional. Um, I always say to people, and I think most of the time they don't believe me at first, that if once we get down exactly what you have spent over the last year, the anxiety will lift. You won't even believe how tangible it will feel that you, you just lose anxiety that you didn't even know you had. So Sasha, before we get too deep into it, I've heard many times before, it's never too early to start financial planning, but is it ever too late? Well, that's a tough question because um, if if you're wanting to do a retirement plan and you're, you know, in your 60s yeah. uh, and you haven't really done the work to create the situation that you would like to have, it's not too late to do the plan. In fact, it's very important to, but we're going to have a lot less flexibility over what what our options are going to be. Mm -hmm. um, nevertheless, it's important to look at it and to, um, you know, make a plan. 
So does somebody need, I mean, does does one need a financial planner to make a plan or could they do it on their own? I think it's possible and difficult to do a plan on your own. There are certainly tools available, but it's how you put it all together. Uh, just like it's possible to have a very successful business if you never have a business coach. Mm-hmm. You know, that's possible, but who's going to hold you accountable as the business owner? Mm-hmm. So it's much, I think personally, I've always found that it's easier for me when I have a business coach uh, than to hold myself accountable. Um, and I feel that that's the same kind of role that I play for my clients. So if we're doing this together, A, I'll help you. I have a lot of good ideas and suggestions. And B, I can really keep people on track and make sure that I'll do everything in my power that my clients will accomplish their goals. So tell us, like, if, and again, you know, whoever, whoever these, our listeners are using, if they have a financial planner, to me, it made a lot of sense because I don't know that stuff. I don't want to know it to the depth that I would feel comfortable making decisions on my own. So, but what are the steps that people will typically go through once they have a, have an agreement with a financial planner? How do they progress through that? So, I'll I'll talk about what I do. Um, as as soon as someone has decided they would like to engage me, uh, we basically give them a, a questionnaire. It's a it's more of a tool to understand how they think about money. Uh, This questionnaire is actually called Financial DNA. It's a wonderful tool. It's like maybe like a disc or a mini Mm -hmm. Myers-Briggs for financial matters. And it's a useful, uh, just like the Myers-Briggs and the disc are useful with a relationship, it's useful for people who are married, uh, just as it is for people who are single. I can get to the root of many financial matters much more quickly with the results of that questionnaire in our first discussion about that questionnaire. Okay. I can find out a lot. Uh, so that's very, very helpful because it sets the stage for me understanding somebody's so-called financial personality. Um, so once I understand that, then we'll move along to understanding the current situation. So that means uh, taking a look at the last 12 months of their spending laying it out in detail on a simple spreadsheet, so to, not so we can judge, or, but, but so that we can understand what is currently happening. And once we get that in place, I will ask the clients to do some exercises. For example, looking through the list of your variable expenses on that spreadsheet, uh, name five of the variable expenses that are really adding a lot of happiness and uh, are rewarding in your life and also name five that you're doing, but are not really adding anything. It's just maybe even a habit. So that kind of thing. And the couple can go through it separately and then share the results. That's how we start getting an idea of how maybe you can change some of what you're doing and become more conscious about it in ways that are really not painful at all uh, so that we can organize things financially to have you be able to save a little bit more to accomplish the goals that you set out. 
So at what point do they set those goals? At what point do you talk about what do you want down the road? What are all the things you're saving for? We'll often have that conversation in the very first meeting, and then we'll come back around and have a more detailed conversation about that after we do the spending work. Because just by laying this information out and paying attention to it, that has already changed a client's consciousness. We, we, we spend money and we think we know exactly what we're doing, but really a lot of it is very habitual and unconscious. So when we actually look at what we did over the past year, that opens up new possibilities. Oh, I didn't realize this or that. And then we can come back and, and make a, another, uh, have another conversation about the goals and make them more specific. Um, then we will put the financial plan together. So the first time we do the plan, uh, what we're doing is we're using essentially your goals and your, um, your vision of what you would ideally like to have. And we're making this baseline plan and we're asking, well, what has to happen in order to get there financially? So, uh, that's going to tell us how much savings are needed now, what kind of, you know, kind of returns are probably going to be needed. Uh, it's going to give us a lot of information to tell us whether this first baseline is realistic. Mm-hmm. If it's realistic, mm-hmm. if not, we need to have the client explore, well, how would you like to change it? Uh, this one doesn't really work, work for you. So what changes do you want to make? So we explore those different varieties of, um, of the scenario. And then we, we come to a decision where the client says, yeah, this is what I want to work on. So what are some of the issues that you see in small business owners and their investment strategies or their ability to build this plan? Well, there's several. Uh, first of all, um, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> we all know I'm a, I'm a small business owner, too. Um, we can get so absorbed in our business that we don't pay attention to our personal and this part goes in the personal life. <laughs> so just getting the attention here for a little while to spend a little time. And then all our resources financially often, especially at the beginning of a career, perhaps in your first even maybe 10 years, might really be going into the business. So we have to think about, that's why it's so valuable, by the way, to do this. Um, the earlier, the better. Uh-huh. The thing about money is, When you're saving and investing money, this miracle of compound interest really works in your favor the best, the younger Mm -hmm. that you are. Mm -hmm. You have to save less the younger that you are. The older you are when you start, the more you have to save. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we can start young, it's a giant advantage. The younger, the better. You know, I remember back when my niece or when my daughter was young, maybe around 10, and her, her cousin came to visit us for the summer. And so as part of their two-week vacation thing, I'd make them spend like 20 minutes every morning reviewing uh, financial planning stuff for kids and teaching them. And then I'd drill them. What's compound interest? You know, what's the most important thing? The magic of compound interest. It was exactly. awesome. Morgan's never forgotten that. And, he, you know, she's a kid that has an IRA already. So, good, you know, it all paid off. Well, the thing is, it will continue to pay off because she has probably a Roth IRA that will never be taxed again. And she's like 21 or 22. Mm. And so, wow, imagine what that's going to mean for her life. 
for you that you really did that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's fantastic. You gave her a gift that can never be equal. <laughs> I'm not sure she thought of that at the time, let me tell you. No, but... not at the time, <laughs> but she does now, and she sure will in about 25 years. So if you were to, um, you know, if, if you're imagining your basic small business client, what sorts of things are they invested in? Typically, it's mainly their own business. Uh, a lot of times when I see a small business client, they don't really have a lot of things set up. Maybe they have a, a retirement plan as part of their overall business structure. Hopefully they do. Some, depends how small the business is, some even don't have that. So developing a, an actual investment portfolio, setting up potentially like a 529 educa college education plans for uh, children that would, that, so for college uh, expenses, these things are often not done. Another thing that's really kind of surprising, I, I was surprised when I started doing this work, Often, even insurance hasn't been put in place in enough places. So, mm. you know, yeah, you might have your basic health insurance. But um, for people who maybe um, their entire livelihood and the livelihood of their family is based on them, you know, being able to work very hard, uh, there's other kinds of insurance, whether it be disability or life insurance, even key man insurance. There's many roles for insurance in a small business. And often you can buy uh, a lot of, uh, a large amount of, of, of assets for a relatively small investment through insurance. Okay. So protecting the family, protecting the business, uh, this kind of thing is where I often will start. So do people decide like nobody wants to buy insurance right because it's like ah it just goes out your fingers it's just wasted money but is it it's definitely not wasted it's so important uh, as i mentioned a minute ago if you it's if your business is your primary investment and for many small business people it is um then your ability to function well in that business is absolutely critical. If you become disabled, you need to have something in place so that it's not an absolute disaster yeah. for your family. Mm -hmm. uh, if you, you should have something in place that's going to allow your business to continue. Business continuation insur insurance will give the business some cash infusion to be able to actually find somebody that can take over for you and not have the business, you know, just peter off, peter mm -hmm. out. Uh, there, it's a very critical investment. I really think of insurance as a type of investment. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. absolutely right. Nobody wants to have insurance. But after you can explain what it would do and how you can sort of plug a lot of risk uh, in your financial life through uh, not so expensive insurance, then it starts to make sense. So if we get that basic uh, layer handled, we can move on to the investment portfolio. But the reason it's so important, again, is because so many small business people haven't really built a large investment portfolio, mm -hmm. perhaps even behind on that. So that makes it even more critical to protect the assets. 
So if you were a company owner and you were struggling with making profits, you were just starting to get on the path of making profits, what would be those, one of the first things that you would recommend they, if, and they have a little bit of invest, money to invest somewhere? Would it be insurance? Would that be the first step? Probably the very first would be, um, would be some sort of term life insurance. And of course, the younger that you are, the less expensive it is. Right. So you can actually really get a lot of protection. I haven't had time to really build out my retirement plan, but if something happens to me, this lump sum of money can come into my family uh, for a very, very small actual outlay. Okay, now let's do the next one. Let's pretend that I have been saving money for, eh, let's say, 20 years. You know, the market ebbs and flows. There's You're investing a lot oftentimes in uh, mutual funds and things like that. How do I know I'm on track? What sort of tools do you have to show me that I'm on track to meet my goals? So the two tools that we use are the financial DNA and the actual financial planning program, uh, which is called eMoney. Uh, how we find out if you're on track, two steps. One, looking at your financial profile. The idea is you want your investments to reflect your comfort level, uh, whether things in the markets are challenging or excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, we want the biggest mistake people make with their portfolios is that they sell, they go put too much cash in their portfolio because they're afraid. Uh, and they've done that, and then it's at the wrong time, and the markets go back up, and you've had a permanent loss of capital. Uh-huh. So we don't want anyone to do that. That's shooting yourself in the foot. So we have to make sure that the organization of the investments is such that the volatility in the portfolio will be the right amount for you to handle through thick and thin. So that's one step that we take. Then the other next step is in your scenario that we've built, we make an assumption about your investment returns that's based on that, uh, that portfolio we decided was the right one for you. And then we can run the plan with a reasonable expectation about your investment returns over time. Finally, the last step of the financial plan is running something called a Monte Carlo analysis. I love the name of that. I mean, it just blows me away. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bad name for something that we use to really make sure your plan is ironclad, but that's what it's called. And what it does is it understands all the facts that are in your plan and all the assumptions for your spending and saving and earnings, et cetera. It will take that scenario and it will run 1,000 times the uh, a random sequence of returns that you might have on your portfolio. So if it runs 1,000 iterations of a sequence of returns from your current age till your age 100, what you'll end up with is a bell-shaped curve. There's going to be some disastrous scenarios where the returns were lousy and there's going to be some great ones and then everything in between. When the program compares 
the impact of those returns to what your plan is calling for you to spend over the years, it will be able to tell us whether your plan will work or not. Does your money last your lifetime? Mm -hmm. So what we're looking for out of a thousand iterations is 81% or better that 81% or better that this plan worked no matter what your investment returns. That is awesome. It's really clever. Mm-hmm. And why do we not need a hundred percent? Because we're making a plan over many years and there are a lot of assumptions in the plan. We are going to be working together, looking at your progress every year. So as long as we're doing that, we're not going to get too far off track. And if we go into something uh, that we haven't predicted, like, for example, hyperinflation, we can adjust. We can adjust the plan. If we, uh, if we go into a situation where inflation is less than we projected, we can adjust the plan. So we don't, there's a lot of room to adjust along the way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be 100%, but it has to be at least 81 all right. Very cool. You know, Sasha, I think the only thing you can follow up Monte Carlo with is the lightning round. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. What's your favorite business book and why? So, being honest, I spend so many hours a week reading about the economy reading investment research that when it comes to the small number of hours I have to actually read a book, I'm not reading business books. (laughs) I I rather pick something else. So I don't have a good answer. I spend my time reading research in the notes. As you should. If you weren't a financial planner, what do you think you'd be doing? I would probably be a therapist or maybe possibly an agent like a uh, agent for uh, 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 writers or artists. Oh, that's interesting. What are you not very good at? I'm actually not very good at a lot of details. That's why I love computer programs. <laughs> and I have to have very good uh, analytical people and organized people around me. Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? My room. How many chairs can fit in your office? There probably could be eight eight chairs. There, There's currently five. <laughs> Good job. Thanks, Sasha. Really interesting. So, Sasha, tell our listeners how they would reach out to you if they wanted to learn more. Sure. They can reach me by email. It's Sasha, S-A-C-H-A, dot millstone at RaymondJames.com. They can go to my website. It's millstoneevans.com. They can give me a call at 800-201-4554. So we'll put, we'll put all that in the show notes so that okay. our listeners can get, get your contact information. And okay. before we leave, before we wrap this up, I want you to share your five words of wisdom. Implement your plan despite obstacles. Now, why are you saying that? Why does that resonate with you? Because we all have a path in life that is not direct from point A to point Z, and there's going to be obstacles. 
it's okay. I really want people to understand there's years that you can't save. You might even have to spend some money you didn't want to out of your portfolio. There's always going to be something challenging in every person's life and it's okay. The fact that somebody has made a plan, stuck to the plan, is disciplined, we can recover. No problem. All right. Great. Good, good last piece of inform- of advice there. Thank you so much for that, Sasha. And You're we very so much, welcome. We appreciate you being here. All right. Have a great day. Toodles. Bye. Talk to you soon. So, Mark, are you ready to go out and make your financial plan? I'm ready. All right. You should be. <laughs> it's important, and you're going to love it because you're going to watch it grow and grow and grow. I kind of started drifting off thinking what my kids would do if I forced them to recite the definitions of, of compound, <laughs> compound interest. interest and- hey, I tell you, they were excited. I'm sure they are. <laughs> they loved and, and it stuck. I mean, they just brought it up to me like a, a couple of weeks ago, both my niece and my and my daughter about, they remembered it, That's right? funny. I yeah. know. Well, yeah. I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> I know what, I'm, I'm going to get blank stares back, but it's well, okay. We'll you just got to do it with a kid approach. There's materials there for okay. you. Gotcha. All right, another good episode in the can. Yep, yep. It was great. Thanks, Sasha, for being here. And thanks to our listeners, as always. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing. See you next week. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.